from what I understand, he's still like, that's who I want to be with. Okay. Well, shout out to them. (laughs) You ready? (laughs) It's Roseanne Thorns. Hey, love bugs, and welcome to another episode of the Roseanne Thorns podcast. I am P. Ryan, and listen, y'all, bear with me because I am nursing a heavy hangover. Um, But this ain't about me. I'm excited. I'm here <laughs> with a wonderful guest. You know, a couple of my girlfriends have come on this show before, and I've called them my Married to Medicine cast member. I've called them my Housewives of Atlanta cast member. This is my Basketball Wives cast member. She is. I will, I will gladly accept that. Charge. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> She is the epitome of hair goals, body goals, and bagels. Everybody, welcome oh. Brittany J. Hey. hey, everyone. This is my first time doing something like this, so it should be interesting. It's going to be a good time. So <laughs> we always start the show off um, by having the guests tell the people about themselves. So tell the people about yourself. All right. Well, I'm Brittany Jansen. Um... I don't know. I'm just me. I like to talk shit. I like my weed. (laughs) Heard you. (laughs) As do I. (laughs) No, I mean, I think I'm a pretty, like, chill, laid-back person. I definitely think my personality throws people off um, when they first meet me, because I know, I guess by looking at me, they just don't expect for me to be the person who talks shit and likes their weed. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that's really about it. Yeah, I'm here for it. Now, it's funny that you said you like to talk shit and um, you like your <laughs> weed. That was kind of, you know, what led us to bonding. But it's so funny, not how we bonded, <laughs> yeah. but where we bonded. Yeah. <laughs> so right. you and I met down to the you church and- house. <laughs> Right, I was like, you gonna get with the location or am I? Yes, yes. You <laughs> So we first had our bonding moments um, because when I was in St. Louis for two years, um, I went to a particular church. We sang on the praise team. You seem to be like the realist out of a lot of the people that I met in that space. Not to say that there weren't other people who were real um, as hell too. But, but they're church people. Yeah, yeah. And you really um, were just so transparent and authentic with me. And so we began to build a bond even outside of the church house. Now, not only did you expose me to like the Midwest church scene culture, which is which is a culture in itself, mm. not, on, not only from the Adventist church, but from the Kojic church. And that was the whole time Delivered came out. It was a moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> a moment, okay? But you also exposed me to a world of which I knew nothing of, right? And so that's the pageant world. And I didn't understand how hard people went down to the pageants. <laughs> but it is No, it is not thing. a game. It is, this is like a sport. It's not a game. It is not, a, not game. a game. And just to toot your horn a little bit, um, your involvement in pageant, you know, you're not new to this. You are very much true to this. You've been doing this thing since, since how long? I did my first one in 2009. 2009 and you started winning titles in 2009 (laughs) (laughs) get us together get us together now my first one that i competed in i won and that's when i was like hmm maybe this isn't that hard for me (laughs) (laughs) 
Listen, you have you were a 2019 contestant for the Miss Spirit of St. Louis, uh, USA. You were Miss mm-hmm. Black Missouri. Is that correct? Miss Black Missouri, U.S. Ambassador. So. Okay, give me the title. Because mm. I was like, because. Come on, me, Kenya Moore. I don't necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I felt Kenya in that moment, but I was like, girl, all you had to do was just correct her real quick because so many people don't realize how many pageants just exist, period. Yeah. You only see the ones that are televised or you only see the ones that your cousin or whoever you know is involved in or if you've gone to school you may see like a miss black and gold or something like that but that's really the extent but for me um the first pageant that i competed in was under the national american miss um pageant system which is pretty which is pretty well known but i won um miss teen kansas city for that pageant and then what was after that that was Miss Black U.S. Ambassador, so I was the Missouri contestant for that pageant. Mm-hmm. I was the first Missouri contestant for that pageant. Um, Come on, first. I placed <laughs> and I placed in the top three for that, um, and then after Miss Black U.S. Ambassador, I took kind of like the highest for a couple of years and went to the Miss Missouri USA system, and that system I competed three times. Um, that is where you really start to understand pageantry, I feel like. Oh, tell us about it. When, what you, start, when you start getting into those systems, as far as, like you said, how serious people take it mm-hmm. um, and how you train for it is completely different than I felt like I had to for the other Yeah. I competed in that system three times. Um, well, the first two years, I was the highest scoring um, non-finalists. So basically I placed, there was a top 15 that they took into the semi-finalist um, round. I was like number 16 both years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the year after that, the last year that I competed, I was in the top five. Um, and then I won Miss Photogenic. And there hey. was something else that I won as well. And it makes sense because you're fine. Thank you. <laughs> okay. When I say, uh, what did I say? When I say basketball wives, cast member, I mean it. Okay. She's got the look. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> it. I appreciate it. Maybe one day if the Lord says so. If the but Lord says so. <laughs> we can call Shawnee. Okay. <laughs> the Lord says so. Yes. Now, you talked about how pageantry really is kind of like a sport, right? And you talked about your different rankings. Um, I, I wonder if you could give us just a little glimpse into what that sport aspect looks like. Like, what does it take for somebody to even be considered, you know, pageant contestant worthy? What's the process like? How many girls show interest? Like, give us the tea. I mean, do you want, like, the, the optimal answer? You want the... I want the real answer. It's a real podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of pageant systems are really trying to be a lot more inclusive Mm -hmm. um, about the type of contestant that they're looking for or what type of contestant they're looking to crown. Um, Because at the end of the day, whoever they crown, that represents their brand. Yeah. Um, But typically, I mean, the brand for pageant winners is typically you know the white girl thin um 
has all the perfect answers, looks perfect all the time. Um, very much so like steeped in PR training. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that's kind of like what, what it has been. And honestly, I believe to an extent that's kind of what it takes, but it depends on what system you're looking to enter into. into. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Now I think that's really interesting though, because you know, I'm not blind to the fact that you currently live in Missouri, right? And I mentioned again, we, uh -huh. we met in St. Louis and, you know, for, for the two years that I've been there, like it felt like as soon as I stepped down into that city, I was told that St. Louis is like a modern city, but with very traditional values, right? Very traditional, backwards heard people, you. That's, that's what I meant by traditional. <laughs> backwards people. Mm -hmm. With, that's that's the mindset mm -hmm. and so then when you think about being in pageants as a black cis woman and i'm not even talking about um getting into like the white pageants because you've also um been in like predominantly black spaces too what are some of the mm -hmm. obstacles that you've had to overcome whether it be based on race like when you're in the white spaces or when you're in the black spaces whether it be based on like colorism and, and texturism and yeah um challenges it you know, I feel like it varies from year to year. Mm. Um, <laughs> when you when you compete, because it just you don't know, and that's part of um, the thing with pageantry. Usually, what you'll find is if you go back to a system, a lot of people are repeat contestants. Uh -huh. um, so when you're walking in now, your first year, of course, you're going to be completely new and greens everything because you don't know anyone you don't really you know of the system but you don't really know how the whole thing works mm -hmm. um <clears throat> but because i've done miss missouri usa for so many years i the last couple of times i competed half of the nervousness that i had from before was gone because like i know everyone i know what to expect out of the people that i'm competing with for the most part mm -hmm. i know what to expect out of the staff things like that Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest things and maybe where challenges would come in as far as, um, dealing with the race issue or dealing with just, I mean, and not even anyone trying to make it a race issue, but just how you feel as a black person coming into predominantly white spaces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, if you get what I mean, so make it plain. Yeah, no, it's just, there's just a certain way whether we realize we do it or not. I think all people of color, there's just a way that you, there's a switch that you flip when you are in predominantly white spaces, especially if you have like gone to school or you're, you have a career that forces you into an environment where you have to be like that. There's the, the switch that flips. So, I mean, so there's the same kind of like a code happens. switching that happens. Yeah, there's a code switching that happens. Your voice changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. so i mean this is this is how i talk when i talk to you know my family and everything but my passion voice is completely different Ah, uh, heard you i but it, i don't know so it's like you're we're competing i think with the i don't know i guess the mindset or the thing in the back of our mind all the time that's trying so of course when the judge is over because you want to win um and it is a competition but then at the same time still trying to toe the line between being yourself and wanting to win them over and competing, but not being too competitive to where you seem too aggressive 
or you seem um, too outside of what you know the norm is for that system. And I'll just say that yeah. about that. But the black systems, um, I think with those, there, I mean, there's no code switching necessarily, but, and I think this goes in general for, again, most black professionals um, and most black people over the eight, like, like over the age of 25, when you're starting to approach your thirties, I think with the black pages, it really starts to become about what do you do? Mm. Mm. So like career wise, where'd you go to school? Um, like how much extracurricular stuff you've done mm. like how many nonprofit organizations so it's like it, that's the added layer i think like how bad are you problem. yeah like yeah, it, comes, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 turns, it turns into that on top of the fact that you're competing for the title so. okay now i always have to bring up the fact that you know we grew up in a very uh, conservative religious culture, right? A conservative religious mm-hmm. culture that is not open to a lot of worldly pursuits. Um, I don't know about no, you, but not. when I was growing up, they like, if you're going to entertain, you need to entertain for Jesus, okay? <laughs> no, I, I've heard that. <laughs> yes, yes. And so I've I'm wondering, that. seeing as how you've had experience, you know, in the pageant realm and have been doing it for years, what has your experience been with kind of like religious backlash um, kind of toward your pageantry passion, if at all? I don't think I've necessarily, I, I think I expected a lot more. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, I think I expected a lot more, especially when it came down to where I knew I was like, oh, I got swimsuit. Um, <laughs> I think I expected a lot more. But at the same time, I've always kind of set the precedent with church people that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Okay. (laughs) Which is very different. Which is very different from a lot of people. No, no, it's very different from a lot of people. But thankfully, I have parents. Like my mom, she was born and raised in that denomination. And she was a dancer. Like she was a, she did ballet for years. Yeah. And that's what she wanted to do. And then she also played the violin. And she was told by her parents and by her pastor that that was... God can't use that. Oh, mercy. And so when it came to me, she was like, I'll never let anybody tell my child that as long as you're not, I mean, and I feel like there's very few things that my mom would judge me, <laughs> judge me for doing. Yeah, Honestly, she's a gem. Shout like, out to her. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Mama like, D. I'll tell her you said I. She's like, oh, oh, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, but she she just was bound and determined that after that happened to her, she wouldn't let that happen to me. So it's like I've had parents, thankfully, that even though it was the church setting and there is, I mean, I think anyone that's grown up with any type of religious background where your parents actually kind of stick to it, like on a regular basis, your respect for religious stuff is like kind of up here when it mm-hmm. compares to everything else in your life and so it's like they were never like be disrespectful or anything to anyone but then at the same time you don't just accept stuff that people say and you don't have to do what people tell you to do just because they told you yeah. like they need to back it up with something if they can't back it up with anything that is what it is so you can have a respect for kind of religious values and at the same time still take ownership mm-hmm. of your own life yep mm-hmm. and so on it but honestly i don't I have not had that much backlash, but that's because, and that's another thing with pageantry, especially when you're talking about like social media, um, 
posts and everything, there's just a certain way that you have to structure Mm. um, your social media because that does go into, that is taken into account with the judges. Yeah. That makes sense. So they will go out. You don't know how long the judges have been looking at your posts. (laughs) it's like but they do and so there's kind of like a respectability factor that you already have to adhere Mm -hmm. to yeah and that's Mm -hmm. in in line essentially with kind of like religious values Mm -hmm. Mm. and especially because i compete in a state that's part of the bible belt yeah yeah which i I can be in no pageants my titties are out on the instagram so (laughs) but, but honestly it's like and i and i have people you know that i've gotten close to whether they be in the organization or just girls that i've competed with and i mean we all talk about that like <laughs> when, when we've seen i mean it kind of sounds like mean girls but it's like <laughs> yes come seen, on regina george come on when we've seen like new girls come in and we're looking at them we're looking at the way that they're dressed and whatever like okay whatever and then so we've like gone to their instagrams or like gone to their facebooks and we're looking like hmm she's not going to be able to be considered seriously because of this, 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 this. But it's like, mm. so you, you, you kind of wash yourself out um, on social media or where any other platforms where people can see you um, and hear like what you're saying or see what you're doing. You kind of filter yourself out, whether that is how you really are or whether that's not, you just, you're just trying to create a perception and image. Mm. But ask me this question, in like a year <laughs> or yeah. so yeah. when I really start just doing the things that I want to do um, and putting the things that I find interesting or what I find, you know, to be dope on my Instagram, ask me that thing. Cause I'm sure people have a lot of things to say. Like I'm sure the fact that I said, I love my weed at the beginning of this is going to yeah. set the world ablaze. Like, you. <laughs> And I think that's so interesting, right? Because you know, we're talking about this in the pageant context, but I think in many professional, quote unquote, because professionalism is steeped in white supremacy, but in when, in many professional settings, you know, you do get judged, whether it be, you know, your job, whether it be, you know, these elitist social groups, regardless of what it is, you know, people take to the social media and really paint a picture of who you are. Um, and that really doesn't help anyone. No, and it's like, and I don't understand, I mean, I don't know, I guess it's just the way that we've trained ourselves to consume social media, but it's like, you'll know for yourself, because of what you post on your page, you'll know, like, yeah, I was cute that day, or I had all my shit together that day, and that's why I posted it, but I'm like, but the other six days (laughs) out of the week, I was down and out. I went over to his house for the fifth time and I shouldn't even been over there. Not the fifth time. (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's just like, you know that you've got your own shit. Yeah. And you know that like, what is going on on your Instagram? Those are, that's the optimal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) channel view of you. But it's like, we don't, we don't apply that to other people's pages. I feel like. Speaking of Instagram. Right. And speaking of social media, let me tell you something. I already said this before. You're a gorgeous individual, (laughs) but your body, what waste? (laughs) What waste? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Your body is it. And you talked about like swimsuits. You talked about, um, you know, how you were able to kind of like advance in the pageant realm. Um, 
And when you even look at your social media, just like fitness is like a huge part of your life. I'm wondering if you could share with us a little bit about like your journey with fitness and your journey with health um, and how do you maintain a balance, especially in the pageant realm, right? If you're going to talk about real stuff, how do you maintain this balance of being healthy, but not being obsessive when it comes to health and fitness? In pageant world, um, I don't know if there. I wouldn't necessarily say obsessive, but there's never going to be a point. Now, that's if you're going for a certain look. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to transform your body to have a certain look that, honestly, like you said, this professionalism, this whole image of how you should be is, is steeped in white supremacy. But mm-hmm. it's like if you're trying to go, if you're trying to have this look that can honestly translate across, you know, cultural different divides. consumers yeah. and different cultural divides um i don't think that fitness i mean and that's even for the white girls i don't think that fitness is ever going to be something that's not going to be like priority mm. it's going to be like your your kids may be number one but i guarantee you right next to it number two is going to be fitness your career mm. might be number one right next to it's going to be fitness because it just takes so much um to get to a point where you are swimsuit ready, mm-hmm. what they call that swimsuit ready. And then, you know, I'm not one of those. And I, I wasn't ever one of those contestants that just competed like all year round. Um, but there are quite a few that do. Yeah. So you have to be pageant ready all the time. The time. Wow. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, wow. be pageant ready. so that's like, I mean, to the extreme, like you're meal prepping all the time. I guarantee you, if you're pageant ready all the time, all you're going to be eating is like baked chicken with no seasoning, broccoli, and your carb counting. See, that's demonic. And I see that right now. Okay, that ain't nothing but the devil. Baked chicken with no seasoning? essentially it'll be very little salt because then you don't want your body to bloat to bloat yeah because you have too much salt but see so it's like you train yourself so now i'm to a point because i'm not at my pageant weight um the last time i competed i got all the way down to a size zero Mm. i was literally i was literally yeah so (laughs) the, the orange yeah the orange bikini um video whatever that everybody always talks about on my instagram i'm like I look fit and I look like, oh, I'm a slimmer version of myself now, but the, I guess that's just the way it looks on camera. But I'm like, I'm telling you guys, I was a size zero. Wow. Wow. On that. But to get down to that, and that also happened to be the year where I placed in the top five. Mm-hmm. So again, for me <laughs> to yeah. get to where I wanted to be, it took me, I mean, I went vegan, I did juice cleanses, mm-hmm. I was working out with my trainer five times a week for at least two hours and I was doing this right after work yeah so I was getting off work working out going home and sleeping getting up if I was actually doing what I was supposed to be doing I was doing cardio in the mornings so what I'm hearing you say is basically you you turn to witchcraft <laughs> okay because okay. that is nothing but sorcery no season it's, on it's your not food. easy veganism but <laughs> it's it's also does train you and i feel like this is probably why so many pageant women i feel like either pageant women when they get older and they're not competing anymore either they just get big and they don't care wow because it's like 
It's because they've just done it for so many years and you get tired of trying to keep up that all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, or they're the women where it's just like, it's been so ingrained in you now about how to watch this. You can't have this or, you know, stay away from these type of foods or this type of eating and all this other stuff. And just how we've trained ourselves to work out mm-hmm. or we're probably pretty much going to look like our pageant sells most of the time, but it's just a thing that's just ingrained. Like I'm trying to get away from also me feeling like I have to always have on some type of face yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something else because it's like, I've, but again, I've built up that persona and that perception for myself in competing and it's kind of bled over. You wind up falling into these extremes. Well, let me encourage you. Whenever yeah. you want to move from being a bikini ready to caftan ready, I got you. I'll be your trainer. <laughs> Okay, we can start with baked macaroni and cheese. We can do a stuffed shell. Okay. See, but this is this is the thing. This is the thing. Once you go vegan, and you try to go back to eating, it's difficult. The food that you were before, it's difficult. But listen, I have a vegan in my household, so we can do vegan mac and cheese, and okay. we can do we can do a whole bunch of vegan good things. Okay. I'm here for it as yeah. I'm sipping my vegan uh, matcha green latte with sugar free coconut sweetener because. See, all that all that witchcraft all that sorcery <laughs> but i mean that's that's that that is one of the things though that i realized coming from the black pageants mm-hmm. over into miss missouri usa territory mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i mean and i won't even necessarily say that it's true for our system meaning the system that i competed in but not only do you have to do that work but there is a hidden kind of like political system. Yeah. Yeah. Two with pageants. So very rarely will you see a, a contestant that's come in on her first year killed in one. Even if she and deserved to? Even if she deserved to. Mm. Even mm. if she deserved to. And it's like you see it every year. People always have their comments about who they felt, the audience is like who they felt should have won. And honestly, if you were able to talk to some of the judges, um, as I have been able to kind of figure out a way to talk to them, it's, it's a political system too. Yeah. So it's like you're training yourself to do all this stuff to come and be your best. But then on top of that, if you're new to, mm-hmm. you're fighting a whole other thing. I'm hearing you say if you're new, and then what's what the question that keeps coming in my mind is like, well, what if you black? New, black. You better be, <laughs> you better be Kenya Moore. Okay, heard you. Twirl. You better be, it's like, no, <laughs> for real though. And it's like, even though Kenya does stuff that it's just like, girl. <laughs> but for at TV. The same, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, man, as someone who's competed in pageants, that woman has some damn respect that oozes from me to her because mm-hmm. I get how you have to show up. Yeah. It's a doggy like dog that, girl. To, to win all of that mm-hmm. and make it to where you have, no, you gotta. Yeah. You, it's like the black contestants, unfortunately, the contestants of color, like you gotta come and literally like leave it all out there. Mm, mm. leave it all out there every time because i mean there and there's just so many other ways see now i feel like i'm getting into the race thing but there's just good. Like, there's so good many, that's what this there's so is many other ways that the other contestants can find or have a leg up on to make sure that they either make it 
into the semifinals or that they are going to walk away with something. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that, and that has just come down to, and that was another thing that I realized when I moved over into that system was how much money they put in behind competing. You, you wouldn't even think <laughs> that behind a pageant, these families are, are putting out what they put out. Can you give us I'm, a I'm, rough estimate? Oh, we're talking tens of thousands. Mercy. Mercy. Mm-hmm. Let me tell and you. And that's just for you to win the state level. If you want to go buy some caftans for tens of thousands, we have money left <laughs> over. Okay? <laughs> caftans, food. Because, wow. Wow. But they're the reason, and it's, again, the reason that they do, though, is because when these these pageants that have been around for as many years as these ones have and the different ties to just different industries and people that they know when these girls win and they you know they're done with their reign they get done there are so many avenues that they can take yeah where they make all that money back you're gonna make it back Mm -hmm. and it and it puts you out there so that way it's it's like it's a it's almost kind of like a sorority type thing. Mm. It works just, oh, of course, it works differently. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's mm. what it is. Like you enter into it with the hopes that if you're chosen, <laughs> that it's going to afford you some other opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise. Right, right. I mean, and that's why they, they pay that. I mean, I, like I said, at just at the state level, knowing people's gowns cost like $10,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then magically that person wins best gown. With all of that in mind, yeah, because that is is taking me out. With all of that in mind, what advice would you give um, Black women, young Black women, with hopes of, like, infiltrating this pageant system? What's, like, a a nugget that you could provide? Maybe this is not great advice, but I guess the way that I'm thinking of it. I would say get a coach. Mm, That's a start. Uh, I would say get a coach and get one that is reputable and that has had success in the systems that you are competing in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not just like some random person or even better yet, a lot of um, contestants that have had state titles and, um, you know, one went on to Miss USA, went on to Miss Universe, they coach. So I'm like, if you're going to be in those systems those are the perfect people for you to coach um for you to be up under because they're going to give you the real story behind stuff yeah now i gotta ask you um because when i hear coach um you know little bank checks are going off in my mind how much would you need to invest to to find said coach or to get said coach if you're if i'm thinking of the ones that i would recommend just set aside a couple of racks Okay. Okay. You say, <laughs> you say okay. <laughs> right. Like I got somebody I'm putting in a pageant, but dang, I felt that. I felt but yeah, that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take, it's going to take a couple of racks. Like there, I won't say what the names are, but um, I keep in touch with one of the premier like pageant coaches, probably in the U S most, uh, I don't think I've ever seen one of her girls placed below top five. Mm. You're, so it's like pretty much with her, if you follow what she says and you you take, you know, the opportunities and everything that they give you, 
while you're coaching, you should be able to be a finalist yeah. at the very least. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she takes over everything. She's going to take over your wardrobe. She takes over how you present yourself in interview, um, hair, they do your fitness plan, all that. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's another um, coaching service that's offered by former title holders. And I would say maybe their track record might be a little bit better than hers. Pretty much their girls win, period. Mm-hmm. But they charge about, you're going to have to set aside a few racks. But if you want that win. I guess the racks are worth it. And again, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, and it's like, if you want that win, and again, you do what they tell you to do. Um, and you keep that communication open with your coach, with them, you can win. Yeah. I appreciate you for offering our listeners this this insight. I, I I don't think it's every day we get a glimpse into the world of pageantry. We get a you don't, of, and yeah. I probably <laughs> people probably not be that happy about what I'm saying. But I mean, it's just it is what it is. When girls come to me and they're like, "Oh, I'm thinking about competing," and I'm like giving you a whole list of questions. Why? Mm. Like, have you started? doing this like have you looked at this have you talked to anyone else that's like besides me what are you have you looked at coaches like a whole bunch of stuff like what are you wanting to look like do you know what you want to look like Mm -hmm. fitness wise do you know where you want to be because it's like all of that stuff hits you and honestly most people that are competing for the first time don't realize how much time you should really give yourself Mm. to get there people will try to sign up like months before and it's like really you should give yourself a year or as close uh, to a year as you possibly can, because it's, there's just a lot of grooming and like tweaking that you have to do of yourself to get to the point where you can get in front of those judges and present not just what they want to see, but the best version of yourself. Well, again, I appreciate you. And you know, what? I'm going to take this moment to plug my pageant coming up. Okay. You don't have to be bikini ready. You just need to be caftan ready. And our um, test will be a jerk chicken cook-off. Okay. Who can Ooh. make the best mac and cheese. Okay. Hold on, press pause. Who can I freestyle like the, best. the best. <laughs> you made the best jerk chicken still. Oh, like, let the people know. I have not been able to find what that what the stuff is that you use. Y'all, you heard it here first. Okay? You heard it here. <laughs> Them pictures I'll be posting down to the Instagram. Okay. We it's have a actually, witness. Yeah. Like he actually, nah, the food is banging. And like, and when you made that chicken that last time we were at Kirsten and Kenny House. And the main people that want to talk about the health message in the denomination that you grew up <laughs> Not in, the health message. Killed, killed the chicken that Tore they said is such a sin to eat. Tore it up. Um, Tore it up. They well, were willing to go to hell for the jerk chicken, <laughs> according to them. That's what it was. Oh, that's an endorsement, okay? Yes. My jerk chicken will make you want to risk hell. <laughs> <laughs> that is an endorsement. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, let's have a small intermission, right? I couldn't have you on the show without acknowledging. I already called you my Basketball Wives cast member, but I couldn't have you on here without acknowledging the fact that we have we, we have a fan club for a certain individual, right? And that individual is Miss Drea Michelle, okay? If y'all know who I'm talking about. You look, should see the dance I'm doing. Okay? She's doing a dance because that's how hard we ride that's, for the girl, right? That's my boo. And so I could not have you on here without playing a little game with you. And the okay. game is called WWDD. 
what would Drea do? What would Drea do? Ah, <laughs> I'm here for it. And so <laughs> I am going to ask you three. I'm going to give you three scenarios. And after each okay. scenario, I'm basically just going to ask you, what would Drea do? So you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Scenario one, you get to know a guy for months, right? One day while meeting up with him, he introduces you to his girlfriend. So you go out to dinner with him and at the table is his girlfriend. And he's pretending like it's nothing. Like you're just a homie. What would Drea do? Drea would say some sneaky ass shit. (laughs) (laughs) Drea would say some sneaky ass shit or do something like I've been planning to do. Like, let me, I'm going to send you a drink. Like I'm going to order drinks for everybody and I'm going to know your fucking drink. Because because <laughs> I know what the hell you like. Because, sis, your man's been over here with me. So you're going to order his drink for him in front of in yes. front of the girlfriend. Oh, messy Bessie. Yes. <laughs> messy do Bessie. Do Don't do that to me. For, yes. for months? Don't do that. <laughs> I love this. I'm already living. Okay, scenario number two, right? Uh-huh. You thought you had a connection with a young man, okay? You guys have had a meeting of the minds, maybe a meeting of the bodies, a meeting of the hearts. Mm-hmm. So you thought, mm-hmm. all right? This you is turn cute. around this is cute. and he winds up connecting with your homegirl. What would Oh! What would Drea do? I feel, I mean, I think she would probably just have a conversation with them, be like, okay, so. So what's going on? Was here? I, like, was I wrong in not interpreting? the signals correctly or what or maybe maybe she wouldn't say anything and just keep it moving what would you do what would i do i'll probably just keep it moving i'm not gonna give you you the satisfaction of thinking that you affected me (laughs) (laughs) see i guess i hang around a lot of strong women i need to take a couple pages out of y'all books okay i'm like uh, but no don't take all the pages out of our books because sometimes that translates or that that comes back to bite us because we're acting too independent but nah mm. especially after that because i just feel like if it was my like you said my home girl mm-hmm. that's just different it's different it's different that's just different so it's like <laughs> like you and then you said you might have had the meeting of the body so it's like okay so this is what this is what was going on over here so mm. how long now y'all Eskimo has that sisters. thing going on mm-hmm. yeah it's like and then now you have to start having conversations then you holding this and interacting with her while she's talking about you know said person and thinking everything is sweet and you want to be like but yeah it's too much eskimo but, sisters with no igloo ain't it too yeah. much ain't it too so, much no. I just ain't gonna say nothing. All right, I love this. Last scenario, okay? I'm talking about meeting mm-hmm. of the bodies. All right, so you had sex with a young man, right? The sex mm-hmm. was absolutely bomb. But after a few, let's call it months, weeks of like not talking, he <laughs> hits you up via text and asks you for money. What would Drea do? Just ask you to hold like $50. I'd be like, four. <laughs> Dre, Dre, Dre will be like four because they know because because what bill you got that's just 50 heard you what you trying to buy weed Heard. <laughs> it's the weed bill it's the weed bill <laughs> 
wait now. Let me ask you a follow up, right? Because remember, what? I told you the sex was bomb. So he broke your back out, right? Uh huh. After the whole, he asked you for money. You find out that you're about to be going to his city in the next couple of weeks. What would Drea do? Do you even reach out to him? Do you acknowledge that he's alive? What do we do? <laughs> I don't know, because I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> respond back yes assuming oh, or, or that you just said no I'm like, <laughs> are you are you going for a second like, time another day i might hear to be like hey <laughs> <laughs> and this is why you're my friend <laughs> this is like, why you're hey. my friend. <laughs> i don't know because in that situation it's kind of like because i don't think anybody likes making anyone else feel like they're just dick or they're just something, you know, mm-hmm. to sleep with. I don't think anybody really does at the core of it Yeah, on either side. So it's like, I wouldn't, I don't know. But Maybe do you think him ways. asking you for money is a little disrespectful? Just a tad. Because yeah. I'm like, well, what you need? Especially, right. <laughs> especially if we're not, like, dating. Yeah, like, you're not, my, you're not my man. You're not my nigga. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like it goes the same way. For women, mm. like I, I when my guy friends or guys I know like talk about that type of stuff, I'm like, what? Like you were just hanging out with her for a couple of weeks, and then she asked you to cover her rent. Mm. Like, why? Why do we even remotely think that that's okay? Like, why do we treat other people's money like it's ours? That's a whole nother conversation for another day. But I don't know. I feel like on that, I might just have to take an L, Ugh. and maybe just not contact them or see like you know maybe post something like on instagram on your story and then like put your location on there yes <laughs> and this <laughs> and if he reaches out <laughs> then it changes the story <laughs> it's like, hey, hey. <laughs> you initiated this i <laughs> i love that I-, I love that you know what we appreciate you for playing what would drea do we might have to have you come back on for next season to replay this game. Um, and you know, quiet as it's kept, these scenarios may have been sponsored by my lived experience. So, oh my God. you just never know. Okay? And, and, listeners, and listeners like you, like on TV has. <laughs> this was you. sponsored in part by viewers like you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, oh my God! Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. that was our intermission. Broadcasting. What is that? The corporate uh, public broadcasting corporation. We love a good PBS. Okay. Oh, <laughs> take us back. Well, listen. That was our intermission, and so. <laughs> With this season of Rosé and Thorns, season one is unofficially called The Essential Work of Life and Relationships, right? And so we okay. talked about your life when it comes to pageantry. Now, Oh, you want to go into the relationship? Let's get right on into it, okay? <laughs> now, we you, I previously mentioned that um, we met oh. in the church house, right? But yes, we, we have something in common other than just church and shenanigans, we have the thing in common that we are attracted to bad boys. Maybe, you know, young men who may not be that good for us, right? 
And so (laughs) as someone who's absolutely beautiful, right, we've talked about just like um, how your beauty has assisted you in the pageant realm. I'm sure it's easy for you to kind of connect with men, even just on a surface level. What would you say is a common struggle that you find with a lot of the partners you engage in? A common struggle. I mean, I think that this is true for any woman who is considered attractive. Mm-hmm. Men think that you're stupid. <clears throat> this may be common for just anybody interested in dating men. <laughs> right? Anybody, I feel like any anyone that's attractive, even guys mm-hmm. that are attractive, because even to, so just me, as like a heterosexual woman, there's just mm-hmm. certain men that if you see them and they're like too, too fine, you automatically start thinking like, okay, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> even though you don't, even though you, they haven't done anything, I think it's just a subconscious thing. Like you just automatically discount something about that person because mm-hmm. of the way that they look. Like, I think for me, that's the common thing is that men think that, I don't know, I'm just not going to, know anything and then <clears throat> and they try to run game when they figure yeah and then when they figure out oh she does know something then it's like i don't know it's kind of like you almost get upset because you can't run game and i'm like well i mean oh talk about it talk about it <laughs> no talk no mm-mm. talk about <laughs> that getting upset when you can't run game that is pure ego and how many it men, is yes mm. tell us about that you said about how many men's egos get in the way? Yeah, so like when they find out that you they can't just run game on you or you're not that stupid, you see their ego kind of being affected and they either start mm-hmm. to like pull away or like play silly games. Like, that's a mess. Yeah. No, it, it, it is. And I think that what exactly what you're talking about, like that breakdown is like what, starts the end of my relationships <clears throat> the ending of my relationships because it's just like we no and I feel like for me and I don't know how many other people can attest to this but it's almost like so many men live like in this double consciousness state because <laughs> it's like because they'll tell you like oh my gosh like you're so smart like you're so intelligent you do all these other things but then at the same time you're like throwing darts at me because of it Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's where do you like, think that comes from? Why do you think that is? I don't. I don't know if it's necessarily like just American culture, um, because friends that I have, or even family that that I have that are not from here, I don't necessarily see them talking about the dynamics between men and women like we do. Mm. <clears throat> but I just think that society, and I, I really hate to say that but I mean that's what it is I think society is like built up this thing where if a woman especially a woman if she's attractive like very attractive that's all she's gonna have to offer Mm. and you should only and she's only gonna exist like in that space in that box yeah Yeah. in that box ideally I think like from tv shows and things that we watch growing up they like to paint the picture like you want the attractive woman that could do it all. But I don't, it's like, I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why men always turn back to that, to that thing, to where they're more comfortable just having the woman that's, that looks good and does what they want. Mm. Mm. That's Patriarchy. what I feel like it kind of. 
Yeah, that's why I feel like it, it kind of turns, it always turns back into it. And if you're not willing to get on board with that, then, you know, you face the attitudes and yeah. the temper tantrums and all that other crap. And I love um, that you're sharing this perspective in particular, because it's not blind to me that you also, you know, again, come from a very as you called it, ass backwards area, right? And so you, mm-hmm. you live in the Bible Belt, you live in St. Louis, you live in, again, this city that really holds firm to its traditional values. And so thank you. I appreciate you for sharing that. Now, you told me about a young man that you were dealing with um, <laughs> who had some money, yeah, uh-huh. but who you described as annoying and with subpar <laughs> Right. And even when I heard like the situation that and you the were going sad, through. And the sad thing is, y'all, <laughs> this makes me sound so bad. I'm send, I'm pretty sure I know who he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so that means you have multiple. And because oh, you have multiple, I had responded to you. I was just like, well, I must be living wrong, right? Because I can hardly get a man to shake my hand. And you had said, you don't want those problems. So you already said a mouthful. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more, though, about that stress. Like, give us the tea. Having a man who, you know, maybe can break bread, but is not really fulfilling in other ways. If it's the person I think you're talking about. Um, There was was a little bit more to the thing. I was like, you don't want the stress. Because, again, it was going back. It was starting to turn into, again, I felt like, because of the status that this person holds and what he does um, and things that he has coming up, he's already kind of set in his mind mm. that he doesn't want a partner. Like he would, we would talk and we would have conversations and everything. And he would be ecstatic about the fact that I could have conversations with him yeah. about the things that he does and be able to talk to him, you know, like that. But then it was like at the same time though, he would still find like subtle ways to try to like trump my opinion. Well, first of all, we don't say that word. But I hear what you say. Um, I hear what you say. Yeah. <laughs> to 45, right. my opinion. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, but so it was like, okay, and that's what I'm talking about. It's kind of like mm. that double consciousness thing. Like, okay, well, you're telling me out of your mouth and you're giving me accolades and compliments about these, these things over here, mm-hmm. but then you're still, I still see you finding ways to like try to chip away at those things as well. Yeah. So it's so like it's boosting like, so up we, your self-esteem, but also trying to cut at you. Yeah. Yourself. So it's like, are we really, are we really celebrating that? Or is that something that you're just bringing to the forefront? Like you want me to know that you noticed. Like you get, like you get what I mean, because I'm like that's the only other thing that it could be is that you want me to get, you want me to understand that you noticed that, and you're, you know, hiding it under the guise of it being a compliment. But all, all you're really doing is you're just picking out things like, oh, okay, yeah, these might be possible like ego violators for me. That's really interesting, yeah. and I think with such an experience and the fact that you've experienced that with multiple men, I really commend mm-hmm. you for just having your heart open to to relationships moving forward what have you learned about yourself through these relationships i have learned and see this like i was telling you earlier and i was having conversations with like a few friends about this today but it spills over into just other types of relationships too Mm -hmm. but i was telling them like i had to realize that one 
Um, I do like to have an open heart to certain things, but everybody can't, everybody can't come in. (laughs) Discernment. Just plain and simple. Yeah, it's like discernment for real and not apologizing for setting those boundaries or for going off of that thing that keeps going off in the back of your head like, "Mm, maybe you should watch it. Like, it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing that I've definitely learned. Um, Like I said, setting your boundaries and not apologizing for it. And then with me, um, moving at the pace that I want to move in with relationships and not giving up my power or, like I said, my, my opinion or my voice because it keeps the drama down. Yeah, because I started. It's like because I started to realize I'm like if that if those things <laughs> cause drama, then obviously we're just not going to be able to. Yeah, we're not gonna. This is not gonna work because I'm not mm. dumbing myself down to suit your ego. Just to just to sit here next to you, like unless you finna pay me, pay me. Heard you. Heard you. <laughs> like, you know we love mean? a coin. Yeah. Yeah, we love a <laughs> yeah. coin. I mean, and that was and that was and honestly with that situation that was one of the things i kept flip-flopping back and forth between because i'm like i know that the type of wealth <laughs> that's attached to this individual like no nah, we're, we're we're getting into like serious serious money yeah. so are you willing to sit by and let possibly things just keep deteriorating or let him con- like you know constantly take these jabs or whatever and you're kind of feeling like, well, I'm in this position, but are you willing to do that, knowing that you will probably get get some change off the back, yeah. <laughs> off the back end, or are you know, are you going to be honest with yourself and know that you're going to get sick of that? Well, I love that you chose the latter, right? Because I even yeah, had a, a conversation like, in an earlier podcast with a sugar baby, and she was like, "Fuck uh-huh. that shit too," right? I'm not taking the mess that you give me just for a back-end coin just just for yeah, yeah just for yeah. a check it's, it's just not worth it and i mean on top of that i never asked that individual for any money anyway mm-hmm. <clears throat> even though it was like the way that they were the conversations and things that we were having it was like if i ever was to it wouldn't be a problem but i'm just i'm never i've never been that type of female anyway gotcha when i yeah, woman. when i need something <laughs> mm. <laughs> i've never been that type of woman it's like when i need something or if I'm going without, like, my first mindset is not to go ask somebody else. Yeah, heard you. Like, that's just me. So, like, I like I said, I had to be honest with myself and be like, okay, are you going to honestly be able to deal with that and tolerate that? Or do you know yourself well enough to be like, either you're going to have to really set some hard lines in the sand or you're just going to have to stop dealing with this individual? I love that. That's a good place to pause. Okay. (laughs) One last thing before we move into the next segment of this show. Complete this sentence. Happiness is. Mm. Peace. You know what? You are not the only person to say that. Peace. Okay. Received. Received. What a theme. Okay. (laughs) We're we're two for two with peace. It's like completeness and peace go together. But I feel like when you become complete, if you get to that optimal like level of what you feel you need to be in order to feel complete, 
there's the peace that yeah is there is irreplaceable we love just serious we do because the older that you i mean it's like what did i ever do reality tv possibly like (laughs) only if i like really knew like okay this is the character i'm gonna be like i'm sticking to this like Mm -hmm. Bravo, no. Shawnee, if you're listening. E, if you're <laughs> listening. Ryan Seacrest, I know you got some pull. Yes, yes. I would do a show. Yes. <laughs> and bring my piece. I would do, it's like, yes, okay. I would I would do a show. I would do a show, but it's like, but carrying all that type of stuff over into your life, carrying any type of drama over into your life, it can it, disrupt your peace. It's a time, it's like such a time suck and like such a like a drain of your energy all the time Mm -hmm. so peace and being complete Mm -hmm. now we played what would drea do midway through this podcast um and so now we're gonna kind of wrap things up by playing let's spin the rosé bottle right (laughs) (laughs) now I've spent this entire episode asking you a whole bunch of questions. What I like to do at the end is just spin the bottle and have you ask me one question. It can be juicy. It can be dry. It can be nothing and we'll move on. But if it is something, I'll have to give an answer. So what's your question? What is my question? Ooh. (laughs) It's fine. Oh my goodness. This will be the first time we don't have a spin the bottle. I don't know, because I feel like there's not anything I never asked you. Yes, you see, transparency. Yeah, that's what I was like, there's really, <laughs> yeah, there's like really nothing like that. Um, ooh, but this oh, might see, get a little, little spicy. Here we go, here we go. But I haven't been able to get an answer out of anyone. Okay. Do you follow Billy Porter? Yes. I love Billy Did you, Porter. What? What was your takeaway or how did you feel about when he had made the video talking about he was equating black heterosexual men to like white supremacists? Ooh. I didn't see that video. Okay. I didn't see that video. Um, But just from that vague descriptor, I can say that sometimes the oppressed become oppressors. And I Mm -hmm. think there is a reason why we, um, when we're saying Black Lives Matter, we're now saying all Black Lives Matter because Black lives in the community, um, i.e. Black women, i.e. Black gay people, i.e. Black trans people who suffer oppression. Who are not protected. Right? Who (laughs) suffer oppression not only from um, white people or the outside world that is constructed through white supremacy, but also by the hands of Black men as they sometimes align with that white supremacy that also oppresses them. And so although I didn't see the video, that's something I'm definitely going to check after the show. That's my take. Yeah, no, I definitely agree i think there's been i don't know these protests have just these protests the conversations just the climate has brought up just a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. And especially it's time to talk with about the, it it's like yeah especially with the conversations between it feels like black men against everybody else mm. in the black community mm. And I think we need to investigate the validity of that. Is that really the case? Or does it feel like that because we're now holding Black cishet men accountable for things that they should be held accountable for? 
But that's the thing. It's like, dang, do we treat them all like mama's boys? Are, so basically what she's saying, are we complicit? <laughs> or no, no, let's unpack. Are you, so you're saying, are we complicit in, um, in their behavior? Do we reinforce that behavior sometimes? I think we do. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it, it's in certain aspects and certain things, but it's, but it's like, I don't know. I'm the type of individual and I'm the type of person that believes that if people, if a whole bunch of people are saying something about a certain subject or about a certain issue, there's everybody's not there. crazy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, everybody's not crazy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like getting it from, you know, just, they're not pulling out of their ass. And like yeah. I said, it's, it's the conversation now is turning to, and it's, and I think a lot of <clears throat> black cis men, they're like, they take it so personal. Mm-hmm. It's like they automatically come out of the gate taking it so personal. It's like, well, one, I never said it was you. It's like, but just like you guys, and it might be you. Yeah, it's like, and it might, but it's like, but it might be you. But mm-hmm. it's like, but just how, just in the same breath, how you can generalize black women and how we act. You can generalize black gays and how they act. You can like you can talk about black trans people and like group everybody into their non-bi. Like you can mm-hmm. do all this other stuff. Everybody mm-hmm. else can be addressed with this like blanket type yeah. of you know what, what groupings apply or what generalization. Yeah, what stuff. You. But it's like, but then the moment that we say something to you guys it's or say problem. something about you guys, then it's like, oh, you know, a whole bunch of hit dogs hollering, and mm-hmm. I'm like, what? And a little bit. A little bit prior, I had said, I don't know, when I asked the question, um, do we reinforce sometimes that behavior? Is there some accountability we can take in reinforcing that behavior? It's not to say that I don't know. It's to say that that question creates a whole nother podcast episode. But I do appreciate you for bringing that up because I think that's something that we need to continuously have conversations about. What happened? No, no lie right now, Patrick. I think I'm seeing the guy that I was talking about with the money. I think I'm seeing his, seeing him walk into PetSmart with his wife. <laughs> you know <laughs> And you know <laughs> What the what? That is oh a perfect God. way to end this episode, okay? <laughs> is there anything that you want to plug? Your social medias, any projects you have coming? What? <laughs> you guys can... <laughs> oh my god! If I'm about to be messy today, um, y'all can. Y'all can... <laughs> what would Drea do? What would Drea do? I'm going to the best part. <laughs> <laughs> you have anything you want to plug? Um, you guys can follow me on Instagram. Um, it's at Brit B R I T. My last name Jansen J A N S S E N, and then um, I'm really not on Facebook like that, so. I would say stick to Instagram. Mm-hmm. Besides that, um, I really don't have any plugs right now to give, but in another maybe like month or so, um, I'll start putting some things out there. Yeah. And then just reach out to us. We will definitely feature whatever you have to plug on Roseanne Thorne's social media accounts. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so guys, this has been another episode of Roseanne Thorne's. Britt is going to be going into the pet smart to be messy with a man things <laughs> off with. <laughs> And I am going to continue nursing this hangover. I will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Roseanne Thorns, a P. Ryan podcast. You can find Roseanne Thorns on Instagram and Twitter at Rosen T. Pod. That's R-O-S-E-N-T-P-O-D.
And you can find P. Ryan on Instagram and Twitter at I am P. Ryan. That's I-A-M-P-R-Y-A-N. See you next time.